plumb line is, if you didn't watch that one, please go back and do so. But what the plumb line is, is it's the place where we start and build everything else from so that the house that we build, our lives that we build is square and is built on God. And so what does that look like? Finding that, I mean, creating the habit of finding the plumb line. And then last week was the habit of ridiculous faith. What does it look like to dig trenches or do something in faith before you actually see it happening? Before you actually experience the atmosphere of what God's promised. And today may be the most important one of the entire series. It's one that I believe is probably the most difficult for people to live out in this society. It's probably the one the most difficult for anybody to do today in our world today. And it's this. And don't miss, don't miss when you're taking notes, write both of these words down. It's the habit of obvious love. Obvious love. Obvious love. Like, I, I really want to say it's the habit because here's where I'm at. I believe that in our world, the way that we are, we've been driven to be so separated from each other. Even physically, right? Y'all can, we can talk, right? We can. We've been driven to be separated. Even through quarantine, right? You have to stay away. Even when you see somebody, stay away from me. And I'm not picking on that stuff, but that's the world we live in right now, right? Like you don't know if you should high-five somebody in the air or actually high-five somebody. You don't know if you can hug. You don't even know like if you have to turn in this direction to say hey to somebody over there. Like, hey! Right? Like we don't know how to, because we're driven and there's separation, and there's distance between each other. And what has happened in the moment of distance and separation, as we've had to distance from each other, some of which is for good reasons, I get, but as we've had to distance from each other, what has taken place is now we have so distanced that we have not distanced ourselves just from people, but we've distanced ourselves from love. Because the further we are from someone, the easier it is not to actually know them and love them anyway. So there's this old saying that I think is a lie, that I think is actually misworded. It's distance makes the heart grow. I think that's misworded. Distance makes me miss you when I already love you. Right? So I love my wife, right? We spent four straight days together, just her and I, recently. She went out to dinner last night with some friends. I missed her while she was gone. That is sweet, isn't it? I don't know who said all, but that is sweet. I did. Distance made me miss her. Why? Because I love her. Because I, I enjoy being around her. If I don't love you already, distance doesn't do anything. It doesn't change anything. What it actually does is it's caused us to go digital on everything. And so now our faces and our emotions are hidden behind screens. I literally watch people whenever we go out to eat. And I do this, well, not this, but... I look at my phone while we eat, too. I don't think that's a bad thing sometimes. But I'll watch people text each other while they're sitting at the same table. Right? And I'm like, what are you doing to have a conversation? Talk. What happens is we lose emotion because we're separated. And now, if I'm separated physically from you, I don't have to feel the emotion that you feel from my response. And so now I don't have to love you enough to care about how you receive it. And so love has become something to where love is only given or only received when you agree or accept. You don't love me if you don't agree with this. You don't love me if you don't accept that. Can I just tell you, love is not based on agreement or acceptance. I can love somebody without accepting how they live their life. 
I can love somebody and not agree with their stance on something. Here's the way that a pastor friend of mine, a mentor of mine says it. He says, I don't agree with that, but I'm not, it's not a salvation issue, so I won't argue with you over it. Sometimes we need to learn what, what battles to pick, right? Sometimes we win battles that don't even matter. We're holding up trophies, and people are like, that's dumb. I think sometimes we hold up trophies of battles we won, and God's going, that's dumb. I really do. I really do. And, and watch it. I know some of y'all are like, I don't, I don't know about you. That's okay. You can love me anyway. And I love you anyway. The reality is, is like, <clears throat> love has been dumbed down to this thing that you only love me if you accept everything about me. Can, can, can I tell you? My wife loves me unconditionally. She loves me. She does not like everything about me. I have habits. Somebody clap for that, and it better be my wife in the back of the room. <laughs> no. Um, she loves me, but there's habits about me that I'm quirky. I'm a quirky guy. I'm a different guy. I've, I've accepted that. I know that, right? And there's things about me that I know for a 100% fact drive her nuts. Any married people in the room agree with that, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. But you still love them. So let's not dumb love for people down to acceptance of everything that they are. I can love you and wholeheartedly disagree with something. It's completely different. But here's what's happened is the world that we live in has created a separation that love is now based on those things. And so I can't love somebody unless I agree completely with how they are. Can I tell you, love is not based on a political stance. Love is not based on a race. Love is not based on a checkbook. Love is not based on a vaccine or not. Love is only based on the part, uh, on the change of heart that you actually have. Yeah, come on. That's, that's love. That's what it looks like. And it's easier to love them from afar, love from afar, than it is in person. Watch this. It is hard for me to hate somebody I pray for. <clears throat> it's hard for me to hate somebody that I'm in a life group with and I've helped them through their problems. It's hard for me to hate somebody I worship with. It's hard because why? The more I get to know somebody, the more I can love who they are. But the more I pull away, I think that's what the Apostle Paul meant in the New Testament when he said, forsake not the gathering of the brothers. It wasn't just coming together to worship God. It was coming together to love each other. I can't, it's hard for me to live life with you when I'm sitting on my couch. And you're here. Do you follow? Are we all? We've got it like, it's, and here's the thing. We will say, I can't get that close. And I live this sometimes. I've realized this about myself over the past several years. Sometimes there's a wall that certain people, like it's hard to let people pass, right? And we call that protection. And, and I understand it. I'm not saying you let everybody into the deepest, darkest places of your life. I think you have to be selective with that. But what I'm saying is, is when we get to, and we're like, I don't want to open up and love everybody and get to know people because what if I get hurt? Can I tell you what pain is? Pain is the proof of love. You will not love people without pain taking place at some point. It's not going to happen. I pour everything I have into you. Notice I said you, not the church. Why? You are the church. I'm only as good of a pastor as you are a church member. 
I'm only able to do what you help me do. I can't do it all by myself. And so I pour everything I have into you. And watch this. Do you think that I haven't had people walk away? After pouring my heart and soul into them for years? It doesn't make them bad. It just hurts. Pain is the proof of love. It shows me I did love them. I did care about them. It's okay to feel pain. It's okay to get hurt. It's okay to feel those things. It's okay to say, "Uh, that hurt a little bit. That is okay. It's the proof that you loved. And so I want us to get to this place that, to where we're in this lifestyle where we live love everywhere that we go. And, and Jesus actually talks about it and shows it better than anybody else. In John chapter 13, there's one verse. I'm going to hit verse 34, but there's one verse I'm really going to hone in on, and it's verse 35. And Jesus shows this thing. Like, before we get there, I want to show you what, what happens pretext. Jesus is at the Last Supper, right? He's got his people around. He's got the disciples around. He shares a meal. They're at his table. He's washing their feet. He washes all 12 of his disciples' feet, right? Here's why that's important. You need to know this going into the next point. It's important because the people that got their feet washed by hand were usually highly esteemed and honored people, kings, priests, those kinds of people. So when Jesus takes the lowliest position of washing feet, he's now lifting up his disciples going, I'm leaving you here esteemed and elevated to change the world through the, for the kingdom of God. He's elevating them. So you got to understand there's like, symbolism and importance and culture and all these things taking place in that one act. So Jesus shares a meal. He sits around the table, talks to him. He's washing their feet, and he looks at one of them, and what does he say? One of you are going to betray me. What? Jesus is calling what's about to take place, and then he basically says, I'm leaving. I'm going to heaven. After you betray me, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to go to heaven, sit at the right hand of the Father, And where I'm going, he says, you cannot go. So I'm leaving you here. Verse 34, let's read that. And he goes, you can't come. I'm leaving you here. And he goes, and a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Now watch this. Even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. He says this. He goes, I'm leaving. You've spent three and a half years with me. We've turned the world upside down. We've healed people. We've seen amazing things take place. You cannot go with me now. I have to leave you here on earth to change the world through what you've encountered with me. But the one thing I'm leaving you with is a new commandment. And it's not to memorize the Bible word for word. It's not to go to church and make sure that everybody knows you're there. It's not to know every new worship song by Maverick City. Watch this. It is to do one thing, and it is to love one another as I have what? Loved you. Wow. Now watch what he continues saying in verse 35. He puts even more emphasis on this. By this, this being what? Love. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. He goes, there's one thing that will allow people to know that you're different. There's one thing that will allow people to know that you are of a kingdom mind, not an earthly mind. There is one thing that will allow people to know that your life is different, and it is not information, it's transformation, and it's showing it through love. Now, let me precursor this, because you could take what I say and go, he said the reading the Bible is not important. 
Worshiping's not important. Praying's not important. I don't have to know the Bible. No, I think the more you love him, you can't get away from those things. So if I'm not willing to do those things, I wonder how much I'm really in love with him right now. How much I really give him my life. Because if I don't want to know any more, how many of you married your wife and then go, I'm not even going to know anything about her anymore? If you did, next week we start this series called... (laughs) Right? Nobody. You know where she works. You know who her friends are. You know what her favorite meals are, her snacks, all those things. And vice versa with your husband. Why? Because you love them so you know more about them. So why is it any different with God? So I don't want anybody to walk out of here and say, those things aren't important. No, those things are vitally important for knowing our Father. But he says, they'll know that you're my disciple by the way that you love one another. Obvious love. And there was nobody that shared obvious love or showed obvious love better than Jesus. And so I want to give us three quick thoughts, three quick aspects as you take notes today on love and what obvious love is and is not. Obvious love, watch this. Number one, obvious love is not picky. Obvious love is not picky. What, what, we just talked about the pretext, right? What was taking place before Jesus made that statement, a new commandment I give you is to love one another as I loved you. And then he says, you know, they'll know you're my disciples by the way that you love. But before that happens, he's sitting around the table. Let's go back to this. He's sitting around the table with people, and he washes their feet, and he feeds them, and he knows one of them, and he knows who one of them is about to turn him over literally going to sell him out for 30 pieces of silver. It's the same thing as you having someone over at your house, you have a party, and you know someone around that table is going to get on Facebook and Instagram that night, and they're going to blast you and ruin your reputation and turn you over and get you into legal trouble after they walk away from there, and you still fed them, and you still gave them a gift, and you still washed their feet, and you still talked well about them, and you had no problem with them being there. How many of us would say that would be me? Probably, well, maybe a few, but probably very few. Why? Because in our Western world, in our American theology, we get to be picky with who we love and how we love. And again, I'm not saying you give in, 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 like access of your personal details to everybody in life, but what I am saying is love is not picky. It cannot be picky. It's never been picky. Jesus shows that it can't be picky. There's a guy that's about to walk away, sell him out for 30 pieces of silver, turn him over. Yeah, but he knew what was going to happen. Absolutely, and he still welcomed him around the table. And remember what the feet washing meant? It was an elevation of status. It was an honor thing. He was still honoring the man that was about to sell him out. That's love. Obvious love isn't picky. If Jesus died for everyone, the, the, level, the, the, the ground is level at the cross. And if Jesus died for everyone, who am I to get to decide who I get to love today? Who do I get to share appreciation to? Who I get to share love with? Who I get to invite to be a part of his love? Who am I to get to choose that when he didn't even choose that? He just included everybody obvious love watch this sees everyone through God's eyes obvious love sees everyone everybody every individual every person through God's eyes there's one filter there's one filter for a Christ follower and it's God's eyes there's one one filter I don't get to pick if I love you based on how much money you make. 
I don't get to pick on if I love you based on how you live your life. I don't get to pick how I love you. I just get to pick if I love you or not. If I get to show that or not. If I'm willing to be obedient in that moment or not. Obvious love is never picky. And that is why, that is why love always includes and never excludes. Love never excludes people. And, and, and that's why I will never, I said it earlier, I will never, ever apologize for talking about inviting people to Radiate Church every single week. Because I don't get, I know that every empty seat is somebody whose life could be changed in this room. Somebody you know, somebody you go to school with, somebody you go to, church, uh, go to work with, somebody that you shop with, somebody you talk with. I know every empty seat is a life that can be changed by the power of God, and I don't get to choose whose life gets changed or not. In fact, if I don't care about somebody's eternity enough to pray for them and invite them into a relationship with God, I wonder if I even love them anyway. I need to care more about their eternity than their comfort. I need to care more about my eternity than my comfort. I will never, and I will never apologize for that because we don't get to choose. We just bring everybody. And we make the biggest difference possible. Why? Because obvious love is not picky. Number two, obvious love makes people better. Love should make people better. We'll talk about that a lot next, next month in that series and what that looks like and what that means in relationships and romance and all that stuff. Love should make people better. I was thinking about this point and this thought, and Jesus, Jesus shows up, and he, he comes to town, and there's this little tax collector man that had been ripping people off that people hate, and his name was Zacchaeus. Anybody remember the Sunday school song? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was. There's like three people. Y'all left me hanging. Y'all left me hanging. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see. Right? Anybody remember that? Nobody? Y'all need to get saved. Come on now. I know you remember, Tim, because we went to the same Sunday school. We were there. <laughs> Singing it together. Tearing up the church. Anyway. And so, we're, Zacchaeus shows up, or Jesus shows up. Zacchaeus goes, I need to see what this guy's all about. Zacchaeus was a little man. He was not well-liked, so people weren't getting out of his way. And so he just climbs a sycamore tree. He climbs up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see. And so he goes up there, and he sees Jesus. And Jesus sees Zacchaeus up there. Jesus knows who Zacchaeus is. He knows what's going on. And he looks at Zacchaeus, and he goes, I'm coming to your house for dinner tonight. Zacchaeus is like, I hadn't laid out the meat. I got to swing by Whole Foods. Only the best for Jesus. And so he goes, and right, and he gets whatever, and he, he gets the steak ready and throws it on the pit boss so that it's good and juicy and ready to roll, and he, he's got the baked potatoes, and he makes the, 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 the appetizers, and he's good, and something like everybody, I know what happened, the crowd was like, Zach, why are you going to Zach? He says, I've got a nicer house than Zach. He stole from me. Like, I, why him? He's a thief. He's terrible. He's, what, why, I don't understand, and something about an encounter with Jesus in that dinner changed everything about Zacchaeus. Why? Zacchaeus, after Jesus is about to leave, he spends time with the Savior. He sits at the table with Jesus, and he goes, I'm going to give everybody back what I took from them. But then he goes, not only am I going to make it right, I'm going to make it better. I'm going to give them above and beyond what I took from them. 
that wasn't mine anyway. Watch this. Zacchaeus came in a thief, and he left a giver. And, and the reality is, I was just thinking about that story, and I was like, wow, love should be like that. If love isn't picky, it picks people like Zacchaeus. And if love makes people better, it takes them from a thief to a giver. It takes them from almost giving up on marriage to now they're pu pushing in and they're getting through this thing. It takes them from they're not good enough to now they can lead worship on a stage with other people. It takes them from I can't do this to maybe I can with the power of God. See, you don't understand what I'm saying. Every, if love makes people better, I have to ask, how do people feel when they leave your presence? Are they better when they leave, or are they bitter when they leave? Do they have hope when they leave, or are they full of hate when they leave? Are they given joy when they leave, or they don't even know where to go anymore when they leave? See, if I'm living my life with the love of Jesus, from the love of Jesus, shouldn't that bleed over into my interactions and into my love and in the way that I love people? Obvious love makes people better. That's why our, our mission statement is equipping and empowering people to live the life God intends. Why? Because when you are better, you are equipped and you are empowered to do everything God's told you you can do. And we will do that through life groups and we will do that through teams and we will serve this community and we will do it with the love of God and we will do it through the power of God and we will love Jesus while loving others because that's equipping and empowering. Obvious love makes people, makes people better. And number three, obvious love is the true mark of a follower of Christ. He says it really plainly in, in verse 35. He says, people will know that you are my disciples if you have every worship album downloaded on Spotify. If you have A, B, and C. No, no, no. He just goes, listen, if you have love, that's how you're set apart. What does love look like in today's world when we're so separated and divided and there seems to be a chasm between political stances and ideologies and ideas on this and, and all this kind of thing? What does love look like today? Love looks like you just love the person in front of you every moment. Obvious love is the true mark of a follower of Jesus. In fact, he says it like this um, later in, or earlier in Scripture, that the way we love others, this is my take on it, the way we love others is indicative of the way we love Jesus. Think about that. If I want to know where my relationship with Jesus stands, I probably need to look at the way that I'm treating others. Because in my life, and what does he say? The way you clothe and the way you feed the homeless and those in need, he says, is the way that you clothe and feed me. Y'all, I'm not teaching idea and opinion. I'm, I'm teaching Bible. Jesus said, you want to love me? Love them. Let me, let me give you this thought. You can love others and not love God but you cannot love God and not love others. It doesn't work that way. It's like you saying you love me but can't stand my kids. Then you don't love me because my kids are me. 
good, bad, or indifferent, don't matter. And when I look at God and go, here's what, here's what people say a lot. I love God, can't stand his kids. I love the church, don't like his kids. It's kind of impossible. According to the Bible, you, you, you can't. If you love him, you love them. Doesn't mean I like everything about them. Doesn't mean I agree with everything about them. It just means I love them, and I'm going to show it everywhere. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to be loving. I'm going to be caring. Let me, let me tell you the impact of this. Can I, give, can I give you a quick story that happened to me this weekend that, that, that really has messed me up? I, I met um, my wife and I were eating at a little local lunch spot in Asheville um, a couple days ago. Y'all, they had root beer on draft. I said root beer. It was good. They had beer on draft, too. But they had root beer on draft, and the root beer was great. Like, it was, I was like, let's go. I prayed all the calories out like we did the donuts, so we're good. And I, 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 I went up for a refill on this. Burgers were great. Like, it was, I had pimento. Y'all ever had pimento cheese fries? Praise the Lord. Y'all, that was the first time in my life. And I hope to God it ain't the last when he says he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies, I'm pretty sure pimento cheese fries are on that thing. <laughs> I never had that before. Anyway, I ran out of root beer. So I will go up to the, to the bar to get, to get more root beer. As I'm up there, there's an older gentleman standing there. And y'all, I can't help but talk. Like, I just talk. I say it's because I'm a preacher. I think it's just because I, I can't shut up. And I think I'm... <laughs> And I think I've got something. You better be glad I love you. And uh, I think I got something tattooed on my forehead that says, talk back. Talk to me, please. And so if I don't speak first, usually other people do. And so I walk up to this gentleman. And he's standing there by himself. He's, he's drinking a beer and, and just he's talking to whoever walks by. And I walked up to him and I looked at him and I said, how you doing today? And y'all, for 10 seconds, this is no lie. I said, how you doing today? He goes, I didn't think a response was that hard to think of, right? But he just stares at me. You know how awkward it was for you just now? You laughed because that silence was awkward. Imagine eye to eye. Me and a 79-year-old Vietnam vet. No expression. And later he goes, how am I doing today? And I was like, oh, dear God. <laughs> I, I was just being polite, sir. Like, I'm sorry. He goes, I'm great. Well, tell your voice that. No, I'm kidding. He pulls the hat down as a Vietnam vet. He said, I've been through three tours at Nam. And he said, and I'm here today. So I'm great. I said, man, that's what I like to hear. That's what's up. And so I don't think he knew what that meant. But we, <laughs> we, we talked. We talked, and uh, I had on a hat of a church, Gather Asheville, you know, my one of my best friends, John Mark Redwine, pastors there. And um, he goes, what's Gather Asheville? And I said, it's a church and my buddy pastors right down the road. And he goes, oh. And he goes, I'm not a church person. And I looked down and I said, that's okay. You get to choose that. I get to choose that. I said, obviously, I think it's probably a good idea to go to church. I said, but you get to choose whether you go or not. I don't, okay. And he goes, but I love God. And I said, good, man. And he shook my hand, y'all. This is where it gets serious for me. He shook my hand. And he wouldn't let go. So in those moments, you're like, 
what's happening? And like, I'm serious. And he puts his other hand around my hand. And I'm like, I ain't, we ain't get married. Like, this ain't ceremony. And he takes my, shakes my hand. And he goes, he looks me dead in my eye. And he goes, your handshake is the first time I've ever shaken the hand of a pastor. And I was like, well, sir, I'm honored to be that guy. He goes, I'm 79 years old and never shaken the hand of a pastor. And I was like, well, I'm glad I get to be that guy today. And he goes, I was raised, and this is just his story. He goes, I was raised Catholic. My dad was very involved in the church. We went, we went to church all the time. And he said, when I left to enlist in the military, he never said another word to me until he pinned, they pinned a pin on my lapel when I graduated. And I don't know if he talked to him after that or not, but he never heard from his dad again in those moments. And the man began to, you could tell it was still bothering him at 79 years old. And um, so, so he begins telling some stories about his tours and how God you know, brought him out and how he trusts God and believes God's the reason. And, and he, he went back and he goes, but I've never, like I prayed while I was there and I, I believe God's how I got out. He goes, but I've never been a religious guy or anything like that. And he's still, y'all, he's still holding on to my hand. It's weird. But I just heard the Spirit of God tell me, telling me he has purpose. And so I looked him in his eye. Y'all, I don't make eye contact a lot because I feel really awkward when I do. It's just me, all right? So if I'm ever, like, talking to you and I'm looking at your nose or your shoulder, it's, I just, it's weird. And I looked him dead in his eye and I said, sir, I said, I just want you to know, you may not go to church, and you may not, I don't know where you are in your relationship with God, but I want you to know that God has you here on purpose. He pulled you out of Vietnam on purpose, and you have purpose, and that's why you're breathing today, and you're standing in this bar right now talking to me. You have purpose. And he looked at me, y'all, 79-year-old Vietnam vet, and tears filled his eyes. And you could tell, he started to speak, and he choked up. And he pulled himself back, and he looked at me, and he goes, this is all he could say. I believe that. And I, he looked at me, and he goes, go enjoy the burger with your wife. And I never saw the guy again. I don't even know where he went. Like, legit, don't even know where he went. It was an angel. No, it was a guy. He was real. He held my hand for like seven minutes. It's true. That is an example of people that need to hear Love. He just wanted to be seen. You can go ahead, Pastor Mark. Oh. He can go ahead. <laughs> We're having fun today, aren't we? Sometimes people just need to be seen. Sometimes people just need to know they have purpose. That's not for you to look at me and go, you're such a good guy. No, I wasn't being a pastor in that moment. I was just being a person. We can all do something like that. I looked at a waitress this weekend. And I told her, I said, I don't know what, how, how long you trained to do this. You are exceptional at what you do. Like, you're very intentional and it's great. She looked at me and she goes, you know, you'd be surprised how many people don't say anything like that. Thank you. People just want to be seen. What if we were a church that was marked by love? 
What if we were a church that changed the community by love? What if we were a church that walked out of here and said, I'm going to love my kids the way Jesus loves his kids? What if we walked out of here and said, I'm going to love my wife the way Jesus loves the church? What if we walked out of here and said, I'm going to love people the way that he loves me? What if we walked out of here and said, I'm going to be a part of a church that loves people where they are and entirely too much to leave them there, and I'm not going to be picky about it, and I'm going to make people better, and I'm going to walk away with this thing, and I'm going to be the mark of a true follower of Jesus because I'm going to love people where they are. What if? What if? You know, I'm going to tell you what if. If we did that starting here, man, I pray every day that every service that we have on Sunday mornings is packed wall to wall. It ain't for me. Who am I going to brag to? Pastors that already have churches bigger than me? No, you know why I want to do that? Because that's how a movement starts. That's how you reach more people. That's how you change more lives. And I just want people that are going to go, you know what? I'll pick up my shovel like we talked about last week and I'll dig. But I'm going to love and I'm going to love people where they're at. And I'm not going to be picky about it. And we're going to change the world through love. And I'm telling you, if we'll walk that out every single day, it'll change everything about your life and their life and your family's life and this church and this community. It'll change everything about Florence. It'll change everything about Columbia. It'll change everything about every future campus we ever go to if we walk in obvious love. It changes everything everything. If you would, stand to your feet with me right now, because I just want to pray love over your life. If you're in this room with heads bowed, eyes closed, and you're going, I just want to give my life to Jesus today. You talked about a love that doesn't pick. You're talking about a love that's for me and for everybody, and I want to give him my life. I want to pray that prayer. If you're in this room and you've never given your life to Jesus, and today's your day, and you want to pray that prayer, would you hold your hand up right where you are? I just want to pray with you real quick. Now, if you're in this room and you go, I want to pray that I would be an example of obvious love. Everywhere that I go, I want to be an example of obvious love. Pray this with me. Father, we love you. We honor you. We give you everything that we have. We give you our lives. We give you our hearts. And today, I pray that we walk out with a passionate, obvious love of the Father. God, let us walk out of here and love your kids so intentionally and so obviously that it, it, we are marked by you. God, let us change this community by loving you and by loving others. Let us let people know they're seen. Let us let people know they matter. And let us walk out of here and change lives through the power of God, through the power of the Spirit, by the way that we love. We get to be that change agent. We get to change lives. We get to move. We get to be a part of something bigger called the kingdom of God, all because you love us, so let us love others. So, Father, we love you. We honor you. If you're ready to change the world through love, would you put your hands together? and make some noise in this room today.